It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Zach Blackerby, Michael Pappas of ESPN 106.7, and Painter Sharpless of ESPN 106.7, Painter Behind the controls today. Good morning, gentlemen. Michael, how are we doing? I'm great. Good. Paintor? As good as it's going to get. I think uh, having a pretty great Monday. Yeah, Monday is always a, a little better after a, an Auburn win. And Auburn, despite the final score of being 28-20, to 20, really took it to a and I, I know A&M kind of surged late, but look, they didn't score their, their first touchdown until early in the fourth quarter. Auburn's defense absolutely dominated uh, Texas A&M's offense, and I think Auburn's offense did enough. I think it did what it needs to do. If it does that consistently against Auburn's better opponents throughout this stretch that's coming up, I think they're going to be in a really good spot. Honestly, for the most part, I was uh, upset with myself. Because last week when we were all doing score predictions and people were asking how much does the offense need to score, how much can the defense hold them, for the majority of this game, A&M had three points. and uh, Yeah. And I was sitting there. Or six points, whichever it was. But I, but I was sitting there like, every time someone asked that in my head, I was like, I think the offense probably needs like two touchdowns. Uh, I I think that this defense for Auburn is a truly elite group. And the Texas A&M offense really had no business even getting rewarded for their efforts with 20 points. I mean, this was a completely dominant performance from the Auburn defensive line in particular. Yeah. And, you know, the offense played as well as we've seen it play all season, I think. I mean, they were... I think they looked better on Saturday than they did against Oregon. I mean, maybe if you could argue if you had if you could have two second halves against Oregon, you know, in one game, maybe you take that. But I really like what they did. I, I love the explosive play from Schwartz. Uh, you know, I think that's a confidence builder for him. It puts that on film. You have to respect that every time he goes into motion now for the rest of the year. Um, but, I mean, you, you mentioned Auburn having just a dominant defense. I mean, they ruined Kellen Mond's ability to move the football. I mean, they, they ruined it early on. It A&M had that, that long drive early. They missed the field goal. And like that's really the only relevant drive, in my opinion, that that yeah. they had. Because the rest of those points, I, I just got a feeling when coaches are preparing for this Auburn team throughout the season, they're not going to be concerned about those late points. I mean, the, the relevant points here, I mean, there weren't a whole lot for Texas A&M. Was anybody surprised about this? I talked about this on the lunch break and maybe here with you guys, but nationally it seems like pretty much every – person I heard from was taking Texas A&M from Paul Feinbaum to Todd McShay uh, a lot of folks on the game day crew if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken ended up you know and yeah, I get it all like, the one yeah you know the they're the home team it's a tough place to play Michael especially talked about how challenging Kyle Field could be and he loves Texas he does love Texas this is a good point even though he apparently hates Houston so with all mean, that yeah. said, like <laughs> I, the national media got this one really wrong, and and Vegas know, was way off on this too. I, I was shocked when the line came out. Yeah, I I just didn't understand what it was that A and M offered that made me think they are significantly better. And the line wasn't. I mean, you know, essentially a three and a half, four point spread. Like 
that basically is just the home advantage, more or less. Take that away, and Auburn's probably favored. And I also understood with a freshman quarterback, you just don't know how he's going to react. But I'm still to this day not sure what it is that folks leading up to this game saw in A&M. And it, I'm playing the results a little bit because I now. But Auburn's you said won. it going into it as well. Though. I mean, you yeah, said right. it last week. I just am now that we've watched that Kellen Mond. Kellamon lead that offense. I'm going. What What was it that we were all expecting to be way better that that wasn't? Right, Auburn looked which, better in almost every phase of the game, right? Like, yeah. where did they not? Where did A and M outplay Auburn consistently for four quarters? You think? I, I don't think they uh, did, yeah, I man. Nothing. I don't think they did because you got you just mentioned this. The score indicates the game was pretty close, and there was a brief moment where Auburn had to kind of get that first down, where you thought, "Oh boy, if they don't get this, like Texas A M has a chance." After all this to perhaps be in it. But outside of that, Auburn really controlled a lot of this game. Yep. The uh, the drive that Auburn had when they were up 21-10 to 10 to really seal the game when they went, whatever it was, 14 plays, 8 minutes. I don't know if either of those numbers are correct, but it ended up with a... The I think bo- they killed like 6 minutes. Yeah, the Booby Whitlow touchdown run. Yeah. And I know after the game, Gus said it was their best drive of the season. I mean, that was... That was, a, that was a big-time drive. Yeah, that yeah. was as good of a drive as I have seen from an Auburn team in, in I don't really know how long. I mean, that it, that was a microcosm of the game. Auburn basically did whatever they wanted. Gus's play calling was the best I've seen it in this season. I thought that was really great. I mean, just top to bottom, I thought Auburn played really, really well. And I thought this one, from an A&M perspective a little bit, this was kind of a microcosm of Kellen Mond's career, right? I was, was wondering how long it took. Let's see, it took five minutes. All right, cool. Go ahead. For what? Do it. No. Hate on your boy. You deserve this. Oh, I'm not going to. I mean. No, you deserve it. Look, he ended up no, with you, 300 and something yards. He he threw 49 times, So you're which backing is absurd, off of your, but, uh, your statements from, I think it was Friday's show. No, he sucks. Um, <laughs> there, yeah. it there it is. There it is. He, uh, it was just so inconsistent, right? I mean, there were some throws. Who do you like more, Sal Canella or, uh, or your boy? Kellen Mond. Yep. I like Kellen Mond more than Sal. Who wins in a fight, Sal Canella or Kellen Mond? Probably Kellen Mond. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'll take Kellen Mond. All right. Um, I like Canella's, uh, I like the reach. It's just, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, 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 just as you're kind of doing a punch right there off air, yeah. I mean, aren't they like the same size? Yeah, what a useless motion for me to make. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew what you were saying. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're the same size. I okay. would assume Canelo is larger, but I don't know. Yeah, Kellen I think Mon- you're right. Mon's a pretty big dude. Yeah. You're right, Michael. Yeah. Kellen Mon made some incredible throws. I mean, there were some receivers that were just blanketed by Auburn defenders that Kellen Mon, you know, put the ball in into an insanely tight windows. And then two plays later, he would just airmail a guy. What if we started calling Noeg Monogany the blanket? I mean, yeah, we could do that. All right, just a thought. Kellen Mond is 6'2". If uh, memory serves me right, Sal Canel is closer to 6'5". Uh, he looks it. So uh, Hair I adds just, an extra inch, too. The the inconsistency with Kellen Mond, if I was an A&M fan, would just drive me insane. Sal Canel is 6'5". Nice. You're so smart. Yeah, so so the thing, the, the my thing is now, looking ahead to the rest of the schedule, I just don't know... Which opposing offenses are going to be able to move the football consistently against this Auburn defense? I don't think Mississippi State can. I don't see Florida doing it. I, I really only see 
LSU, Georgia, and Alabama, which obviously those are the three toughest opponents left on Auburn's schedule. But I just I I think those are the only games that Auburn can lose moving forward. Isn't that what we kind of expected going into the season? Though I don't think we knew. We've I, talked. I, I don't think. I, I think A and M had some hype. You and I were extremely high on Florida. I know. Yeah. I know you were a little more skeptical of the Florida hype. Here. I think we have said though that this season could be at its best case scenario an eleven and one season, and in a worst case scenario, Auburn loses a bunch of close games and goes seven and five. Like both of those things. It, like it was totally feasible for Auburn to play an okay game with a freshman quarterback and lose in College Station. It was perfectly reasonable before or after Franks got hurt yeah. that Auburn could lose a, a sloppy game in the swamp. And then, yeah, you've got three teams, LSU, Georgia, and Alabama, that on paper have a slight edge in talent. I'm going to be a little surprised if this Auburn team doesn't win at least nine games at this point. At this point, it sets up nicely. I think the Mississippi State game should give you some pause because it's always so physical, and Mississippi State will want to make it sloppy if they can do that. The spread's 10. Right. I don't think there's any way Auburn I saw has it, it that close. I saw it opened at 12. Wow. I saw 10 as well. I like 12 more if I'm Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think Auburn wins by more than 10 points. I, I don't think it's Mississippi hard State's to, good. It's hard to imagine that team getting 24 points. Yeah. On Auburn. Like if A&M couldn't do it, I'm not very convinced that Joe Moorhead's I don't think they're very good I think Mississippi State's pretty bad well they lost a lot of experience last year right and you can say what you want about Nick Fitzgerald but at least last year they had Auburn's number and I don't think that they can say that this year and I certainly don't think that after the way Auburn lost last year that the defensive line is going to go into that game like the good news for Auburn is if this was a trap game they lost it last year they ought to have some motivation to come in and you know get a little bit of vengeance. They looked like doo doo against Kansas State. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get zero percent APR for 84 months, or up to thirty-three hundred dollars off select compact tractors. See the details at kubotaorangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. That was an ugly game. Two weeks ago, last whatever, eight days ago, and nine the, days ago. Who did they open their season with? It was a it was a smaller team, and I'm just like, they, they, oh, they won it, but I was like, they look La, terrible. I think Lafayette. In New Orleans or something? Something like that. I just remember watching both them and Ole Miss because they were. I was flipping between those two games, just kind of keeping a, keeping tabs on all the SEC teams. And I'm like, both of these Mississippi schools are like, they look terrible. They won by, uh, they they won their first game, forty nine zero, and then they they beat Louisiana Lafayette thirty eight twenty eight. But their first game was against Charleston Southern, and then yeah, they won only by ten at Louisiana Lafayette. Okay, maybe that's the game I'm thinking of. But, um, but every time I've seen them, I've just not been impressed with Mississippi State. They won by 15 over Kentucky. They were the home team in that game, though. That was that. Was, I don't know what's going on with Kentucky. It was like they they played incredibly they well. <laughs> they played incredibly well against Florida, yeah. and then kind of blew that game at the end, and then went into Mississippi State with a real t- chance to make a statement. All right, you Tommy see that a lot, Stevens though. Stevens not you, playing, you, you, and then they just fall flat. You you put so much into one game, and then it doesn't work out the way you want it. And the, I think that's why so many teams, when they play Alabama, you know, they build up that game all off season, and then like they fall apart after that. You know, some people say it's the physicality. I, I think you put so much emotion and mental stress and just preparation into that, and then 
you get whooped, and then your season falls apart after that. So, I mean, it could be that for Kentucky. We'll we'll see. But I just, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to say it all week, but I just don't expect this game to be close at all. It shouldn't all. be. I don't um, think the talent of the two teams is anywhere. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not close. You're yeah, I, from top to bottom for sure. Before we we move fully into uh, into Mississippi State, yeah, I want to circle back to talk about a few things. Where you want to go? I well, I want to start with the running backs. Okay. Um, yeah. What was it? Booby Willow two carries for negative four yards in the first half. For everyone out there who's concerned about Booby Willow's workload, it certainly seems like Gus Malzahn's had a plan, and, and he likes Booby between eighteen and twenty two carries. And in this A and M game, he thought we. I also we were going to have to see them lean on it more in the second half, and so he saved all of Whitlow's carries for yeah. the second half. I and loved that. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought this was a huge game for Gus Malzahn to look at all the people who were doubting him and be like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Sean Shivers getting the first touch. I absolutely love that. Absolutely I think a lot of it. Auburn fans I saw were, were excited about, about that. I, when you look at Auburn's stat line, like, nothing is impressive about it. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah. I mean, they won the game, and that's what matters. But offensively, it's not like Auburn put on a big show. Are you okay? You're coughing like crazy. I just coughed once. Yeah, Bo Nix was— Did you not just do it again? Well, I sneezed earlier. Okay. <laughs> Bo Nix was 12 of 20 for 100 even, while Joey Gatewood was 1 of 1. But you'll remember that that was a significant throw Yeah. for the touchdown. Whitlow had 18 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. Anthony Schwartz with one carry for 57 yards. Nick's adding 12 for 38. Sean Shivers, 6 for 14. And Eli Stove, 2 for 13. So uh, Seth Williams led the way with four receptions for 47 yards, while Anthony Schwartz had two for 30. So there's really not anybody that had themselves that's a day. Da- that's dangerous, though. They, if they can get better and the defense stays that way, that's yeah. a good sign for Auburn. They flashed a statistic on the screen that like 31 of 34 of Seth Williams' career receptions have either been a first down or a touchdown. That's awesome. What do we think about That's absurd. A&M having 17 points in the fourth quarter. It's irrelevant. I'm not worried about it. If I guess you can be like, it was an issue, but I mean, even the guys talking on the broadcast were like, well, they're going to run out of time. Yeah, and Auburn got one back. You know, they got seven of their own. Right. That's what iced it. Right, I mean that's yeah. that's the drive with with, with, with Booby, but I love uh, I love you know you mentioned Seth Williams. I mean uh, it's good to see that he's back. He got himself a touchdown, which mm-hmm. is which is great. I, I I'm surprised that he looked as good as he did after that that shoulder injury. I'm I mean, shocked. Those are scary. I I know you were pretty skeptical of the recovery process there, but he seems fine. He seems back mm-hmm. to back to normal. If he's not 100, percent he seems to be dang close to it, and uh, that is huge for Auburn. That's big. That is big, no doubt about it. There was something else from... Uh, oh, I love John Samuel Shanker. I think he is becoming more and more of a vital role. I mean, Auburn fans have been screaming for a tight end for years. they got three of them this year. And, and they've got a, and they're using them. They're finding ways to use them in the passing game, and the running game. And I mean, John Samuel Shanker has become a guy that, that I don't think people are talking about. You know, whether it's Auburn Twitter, message boards, what have you... Anthony Schwartz is a great piece. Seth Williams is a great piece. Will Hastings, Eli Stowe. But John Samuel Shanker is in the mix as far as importance with all of these guys right now. I, I love what he's doing. Uh, I think that Gus is realizing the uh, the effort and the uh, 
skill or effort and uh, success that uh, these H-back tight end guys are, are having or are putting in, whether it be Shanker or Nye or uh, Wilson. And he's like, I want to reward my guy. And, and Shanker scoring that touchdown, I think that's huge for them. I mean, that that makes those guys – I mean, most of what I'm thrilled about from this game is going to come back to coaching. And I'm going to end up sounding like a broken record, but I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm super impressed with the skill and the, the effort and the determination that all of these guys playing tight end and H-back, all three of them are coming in with. Yeah. Um, and the mere fact that this game we're talking about John Samuel Shanker and what was it, two games ago we were going – crazy about Spencer not I mean sure. this is the Swiss Army not yeah it's just a testament to uh to how good these guys are and and how well they're playing we haven't seen JJ Wilson pop yet and I think we're going to eventually because mm-hmm. uh, I think he's got the talent I think I, I don't know if he's still getting used to things if because he's getting on the field and he's hitting people I, I just hadn't quite popped yet as far as results but I think it's going to I like what I see from him um but yeah, I mean, you, Michael, you mentioned coaching, and kind of going into this, I thought that was going to be the one thing where A and M had the advantage, other than it being there. But I think Malzahn outcoached Jimbo, hundred percent. And I think if you're an Auburn fan out there, obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably are. Like, you should be really proud of what happened on Saturday. I mean, it's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. There's uh, videos on Auburn football, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff that they put up where, you know, they kept calling in the locker room like a a big boy win, a big boy road win. And it was that. I mean, they're they're fired up. I mean, this team's hungry. This team this team legitimately believes that they have a chance. You know, a lot of national media saying, oh, Auburn's in the top 10. They're at seven right now in the most recent AP poll that came out yesterday. You know, Auburn's up there, but, you know, a lot of national media saying, you know, this team still doesn't have, like, there's three legit contenders from the SEC, those being Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. But I think Auburn's got a chance. I really do think they've got a chance. They got to win in Baton Rouge, and that's going to be something they haven't done in 20 years. That's going to be really tough for them to do. But yeah, with this defense, with this defense, I mean, they've got a chance to beat anybody. Yeah, I, I do agree with you about that. Um, look, whether or not they are a true contender, they are going to have an impact on this college football playoff. Whether it be because they beat an LSU, beat an Alabama, beat a Georgia, or because they beat them all and make a run themselves, they're going to have an impact. Teams like Georgia and Alabama are going to have to come through Auburn to to make the playoff. Like That is now a large concern. How likely is it, and I'm getting a bit ahead of myself because there's still a ton of games to play before we even get to the first of those three that you just listed off, LSU, Georgia, Alabama. But does it seem unlikely at this point with Auburn? Because offensively, Auburn still leaves a lot to be desired. They're getting points on the board. They're winning their games. It's not flawless. 
does it seem unlikely to you that Auburn walks away without at least a single win in one of those three? Like, do y'all feel confident that they can at least win one of three? I think so. I mean, I wasn't super impressed with Georgia this weekend, so. I wasn't. I mean, from a talent standpoint, Georgia is so much better than Notre Dame. And they couldn't pull away for anything. So, I think Georgia, Georgia to me looks worse than LSU. But then you look at LSU and it's like the teams have been able to move the ball on them. Yeah, so LSU's like, defense is not good this season. Yeah, I'm not convinced that LSU I, – I think A&M's defense is on the same level as, as LSU's. You know, I don't, if there is a difference, I don't think it's big. So, I mean, as far as, you know, I mean, you point out the offense, I think we all agree, like, between the offense and the defense for Auburn, it's the offense that's the issue. But against LSU, it's stopping their offense is kind of the big thing that people haven't been able to do. I mean, Vanderbilt was able to move it a lot early mm-hmm. on, on LSU. So, I think Auburn's going to be able to do that. My biggest thing is, you know, it's going to be the whole, you know, we haven't won there in 20 years kind of thing that everybody's going to hear on that team. So they got to get past that. I think that's kind of what bit them two years ago when they went down there. But the curse. And then I, I think Alabama's defense is not near as good as it used to be. They're hurt at the oh, linebacker yeah, spot. Some of that's injury related, but it's no right, matter most what. Most of it's injury related. Half of their front seven is true freshmen. Which, Which to, to to their like by the end of the year that group will be a lot better also to an extent but I mean you cannot you can't gain like the biggest difference between freshmen and sophomores obviously you you know where to go and you get a little bit more athletic but like you just add twenty pounds you know yeah. in the, those first few years and like they're not going to do that but you know by the end of the Iron Bowl but Panny you're right as far as experience goes like they're going to be better mm-hmm. in the last game of their freshman year than their first game usually when you have an inexperienced front seven and offense just like Gus Malzahn that does a lot of misdirection and a lot of things like that you can get flushed out of your gaps really easily um, a lot of eye candy and, and things like that usually younger defenses will have more trouble than experienced defenses when dealing with that. Now, obviously, Saban is very experienced coaching against Malazan. They've they've coached against each other what, seven times now, six times now, um, and that's not including when when Gus was a coordinator. So, uh, I'm sure that defense will be ready. But the Alabama defense doesn't look like world beaters this season. The LSU defense doesn't look good, much less like world beaters. I mean, yeah. the Oklahoma State defense did better against Texas than the LSU defense did. I think Auburn is going to be in a good spot when they play Alabama because one, it's going to be at home, and it could be after a huge win against Georgia, which right now I think Auburn could beat Georgia. Well, an even bigger one against Samford after that. Good point. Thank you for correcting me. I love that. Thank you. But uh, Alabama, they're not going to play anybody this season before Auburn that is going to be able to actually push their receivers because right now Alabama, they're they're throwing a three-yard slant and then Jerry Judy or, you know, any of the other, like, 10 going, NFL receivers they have, like, three-yard slant is the touchdown. Going into the game this weekend, um, 70% of Tua's yards were coming after the – had come after the catch. Yeah, you texted 70. me that. That's crazy. 70%. And have y'all seen some of the deep throws he's made? He – someone made the joke on Twitter. I think it was – was it Rugs that caught a pass, backpedaled, and turned around and still beat the guy running? Yeah, and like that's that kind of speed is outlandish. It's, he it's was special. backpedaling yeah. and was able to turn his hips, and then while someone was sprinting at him, still escape. But to my my point there was 
Tua just sat in the pocket for four seconds. I mean, he could have. I think the joke was he could have made a cocktail right back there because when they're not, when they when they are throwing deep balls, he's not getting challenged by anyone on the defensive line. You're right, and so I don't think they're going to see a whole lot of that against LSU, as we already talked about. I'm not impressed Unless with they LSU's defense. A lot. You're right; they're not going to see the pass rush, and they're not going to see coverage. And so, well, they. I, I mean, I, I think Auburn's got a chance to punch him in the mouth in the iron ball. I really do. I don't know. LSU is supposed to have two cornerbacks that uh, are are very good. And I think athletically they probably are one of the like in terms of just the the recruiting and the af- athletes they have. But for whatever reason, it has not clicked the way. Yeah, it, it's I weird agree. that they finally have this offense going, and their defense has so far been significantly less yeah. competitive. Joe Burrow is well, incredible. I mean, he looks yeah. so. He good. He looks like the best quarterback in the SEC right now, uh, as well as. Texas's offense played in that game against LSU. LSU did shut down Colin Johnson, who's mm. Texas's best receiver. So, I mean, take that as you will. Uh, the last thing I really want to say about the A&M game is that, I mean, I can only speak for myself on this one. I've been harping on it all season. They finally did it. They helped out the offensive line. Yeah. They did so much more side-to-side stuff, so much more of the the tunnel screens, the screen passes, the getting guys out in space, the quick passes. Uh, Seth Williams had a touchdown on the slant route, which which everyone loves to see. I mean, they helped out an offensive line that we've seen struggle a little bit. I think Bo still got sacked once, and it's that was awesome. Like again, goes back to coaching and in. I this, think Bo does a good job also of escaping and throwing the ball away. Like, that's probably part of the reason. I don't know how many throwaways yeah. he had, but in most of his games, yeah. he's a decent amount of his incompletions have been him wisely throwing the ball out of bounds. Yes, I do think that's a – I'm not just talking about the sacks thing. That is true. I don't. But I just – like, this was stuff – so many things that happened in this game was stuff that – I wanted to see, I think you guys wanted to see, that the Auburn fan base wanted to see out of Gus. I mean, I can definitely say I have way more faith in this Auburn team and in Gus Malzahn coming out of this game because of the game plan and the way it was executed than I did going in. You're right. He was sacked once. I think also, and tell me if y'all think this is a reach, but first off, Tulane continues to look like a formidable team. I guess. Oh, yeah. Tulane does not have the talent or the depth Auburn has. Auburn should have won that game, and they should have executed better. But one, Tulane was not a bad team, and right. two, Auburn was calling a very conservative, vanilla offense. Yes. They should have executed better nonetheless. Sure. They get to Texas A&M. They open up the playbook a little bit more. What you're talking about, the offensive line gets some help. They use the perimeter more. And to be quite honest, Zach, you said this a moment ago. It wasn't a per- an impressive game offensively. Auburn still put 28 points on the board. Mike Elko, a, a defensive coordinator for Texas A&M, who a lot of people think will be a head coach soon. Gets the offense will continue to get better as the season progresses. This is an exciting place to be for Auburn four games in. Yeah, and I mean, all offseason we talked about, all right, can they be at least one and one? Can they maybe be two and zero if they beat Oregon and A and M? Well, here, here we are. are. Yeah, they're 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 two and zero against those teams, four and zero on the season, and now you know this, this upcoming stretch. I think they I think they're undefeated going to Baton Rouge. They should be. They should they're, be. They're better than State. They're better than Arkansas. And they're better than Florida. And the schedule sets up pretty nicely with the games that they have ahead of LSU. They'll have to go to Florida, but they have Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken, the week before the LSU game. And I'm pretty sure LSU has Mississippi State and Florida before theirs. So uh, I want to say they play Mississippi State the week before Auburn LSU does, which is, should be at least a physical game. Where is that game? I'll is, check. Yeah, w- yeah, the week before uh, 
You guys don't think uh, Arkansas is going to be an issue? <laughs> well, the thing about Gus Malzahn is there's no game he wants to win more, and they are bad, so that does not work well for Arkansas. Yeah. Are they still in the SEC? Sometimes uh, they, I forget. They lost at home to San Jose State this weekend, so they oh might not gosh. be. Yeah, so they've got LSU has Utah State um, on the 5th. It looks like they've got a bye this week, actually. And then they've got Florida after that, then Mississippi State. And then Auburn comes to Baton Rouge. Do they, do they have Mississippi State at home? Mississippi State, that is in Starkville. That is a road oh. game for LSU. Ooh. That's good for Auburn. Ooh. That's good for Auburn. Ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 Where can people uh, find you and, and when Auburn your has a, Yes? When uh, Auburn has a bye week, do we also get that week off? Like, How does that work? No days off. Okay, I'm sorry. No days off. Did y'all watch Jared instead of uh, his pick six Not yesterday? Great, no. Bob. Didn't happen. His first throw was see... so pretty, and I'm like, yes, here we go. Was it James White who he was throwing to? I couldn't see. No, it was uh, Jacoby Myers. And he mm, just overthrew no him pretty badly, didn't he? Oh, I was sorry, on his pick, he uh, he threw it to Brandon Bolden. So uh, did Damian Harris get any touches? No, I don't think he's played yet. He dressed, I think, for this game. I think he's been active in every game, but I don't think he's like perceived a carry yet. But they're, they, Brandon Bolden, old Miss product, they're giving him a lot of the him and Rex Burkhead. Why, why do they refuse to use Sony Michelle? Is it because Bill Belichick hates me and knows that he's on he's, my fantasy He scored team? a touchdown like last two weeks, hadn't he? Yes. But yes, Sony scored yesterday. Yeah, he scored yesterday. He had 14 yards the whole game. <laughs> but he had a touchdown, so that's a good fantasy otter. No, it's not. He had like seven points. <laughs> ah, you take that. You take that. Where can people find you and hear you? Uh, follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato. Uh, you can hear me on After the Game every Saturday after every Auburn game. Uh, I know just from Twitter interactions. You will, you will get the Saturday off where there's a bye week for that. Oh, thank you. You're, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, just from Twitter interactions, I know everyone uh, that listens to this show has a lot of thoughts about Auburn and, and about the, the game. So call in after the game. We really appreciate your phone calls. I host that with Dan Peck live at Skybar. And then uh, I'm on the lunch break on Tuesdays and I think most Fridays before away games. Uh, when Justin Ferguson is traveling, and then the SEC report on uh, on Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. One minute ago, the SEC on CBS announced that they have selected the Auburn versus Florida game as the game of the week on October 5th. So that will be another away game at 2.30. I'm glad because I think the Ohio State-Michigan State game is at night, so I'll be able to watch there that. There you go, 11 that to 1. Fantastic. Catch Ooh. the lunch break. Are you sure? I'm not positive. No, <laughs> that that might be the big noon game on Fox. Hmm. I think it's already set. Let's look it up. Yeah, people people listen to the Auburn podcast care about that. Ohio State, Michigan State. Check you it need out to know Zach. While we're on the subject, okay. how are you? Six thirty p.m. Oh, Zach was right. I stand corrected. Happy for you, man. That, that didn't happen a whole lot. Have you ever been wrong before? Yes, many times. Okay. Especially while, uh, while in school. All right. On Twitter, I paint Sharpless for Painter. The lunch break, 11 to 1 on ESPN 106.7. Give us a listen. ESPNA.com, the ESPN 106.7 app. Lots of Auburn sports news. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked on Auburn podcast. There it is. Let's just keep it. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.